0: Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Your hosts are Becky Olson and Sharon Hennefin. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, their friends, and family with the resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here are your hosts, Sharon and Becky.
1: Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. My name is Becky Olson. I'm a three time, 21 year breast cancer survivor. I'm also a professional speaker and the published author of The Hat That Saved My Life.
2: And I'm Sharon Hennepin. I'm a 23-year survivor. I'm also a certified life coach and the author of my upcoming book, Thriving Beyond Cancer. And it's so close. Woo-hoo. I know. I'm really getting excited. Yeah. And and we're, and we're the, the co-founders of Breast Friends. Got to get that in there, too. All of them. <laughs> and, you know, before we get going, I, I do need to kind of let our listeners know
1: that we have a very, very bad windstorm here in portland today so powers kind of cutting in and out so we have a wonderful engineer his name is Aaron Aaron I hope that you're with us and people can hear you so turn on your microphone yes I am here thank you awesome so Aaron is the one who does he's the one that brings in all the music and Gives us the notice that we need to go out to break, and he does a great job. So, Aaron, you might really have to um, earn your money today. <laughs> you know? Hopefully, we so, won't have any problems, but yeah, it,
2: could be, it could happen. So. Yeah,
1: we do this all over um, the internet, and so if our power goes out, so does our internet, and yep. then we'll have to call in. But Aaron, we're trusting you to keep us keep us on the air. Is that going to work?
2: Absolutely, we're going to do <laughs> okay. our best.
1: All right, okay. cool. Well, we have a really important topic today and this is one that impacts so many cancer patients and it's it's on the subject of HR. So the impact of a breast cancer diagnosis on work life can really vary a lot from person to person. For some people, the effect can be really minimal. You might have an understanding supervisor, kind of like I did the first time I went out on, on cancer treatment. And you might have a flexible schedule, an encouraging team to support you, or you might not. So all of those things can vary from employer and management all the way, I mean, just from one extreme to the other. So um, a lot of times people have questions about what do I need to tell my boss? What am I required to say? What can they do? All of those things. So we have an amazing um, guest with us today, and I'm going to let Sharon introduce her.
2: Well, I'm excited because um Carrie uh, Sheffy used to be on our board and so we miss you dearly since you've yes, moved we away <laughs> but we, we really um, appreciate you um, your leadership in this area I know you've done this for over 30 years now um, and of course we've known you for a long time and and you bring um, tremendous insight into this topic so today uh, Carrie and uh, Becky and I will discuss ways to manage the emotional physical and Legal aspects of balancing your job and your treatment. So, welcome, Carrie. Hey, Carrie. We're so glad you're here. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here as well. And
3: uh, thanks for the reminder that I've been doing this for uh, 30 years.
4: <laughs> you feeling feel old this morning. I feel old.
1: <laughs> but, oh. You
4: know,
3: when I started in HR back in the mid '80s, we really didn't have any laws in the United States protecting workers who needed that time off or serious illness or for employees who were disabled from those illnesses, and I've really been able to, throughout my career, watch and applaud as our laws have been expanded to protecting those rights for those of us fighting breast cancer and really other illnesses as well, and I think we have a ways to go in terms of providing paid leave, but at least we do have laws that protect our jobs and our, our rights in the workforce, and that's Over good. my years and my career, I've counseled many employees on their rights to take leave. I've explained how our policies can help them and really done my best to support them during that excuse me very difficult time. And as yeah, you know, I myself good. am a breast cancer survivor. I was diagnosed almost 10 years ago. At that time, I was working full time as a vice president of human resources for 10 large years. National... Are you
2: serious? Has it been almost that long? It oh, my gosh. It has been.
3: I know. Oh, ten, it'll be 10 goodness. years in September.
2: Wow, yep. that's amazing. Isn't
3: it's amazing,
1: amazing
3: how fast time flies as we age. <laughs> it does. You're and serious. I look back at that time, and you know, I was busy, employed full time. My boys were 14 and 11 at the time. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you remember, but I was also going through a divorce at that time. I do. I, I do, remember. yeah.
4: It, yeah.
2: It, well, there's never a good time to be diagnosed with cancer, yeah. but there are certainly worse times, and you probably oh. got one of them.
3: <laughs> I did, but you know, it teaches you what you're, you're made of, and each one of our journeys is, is different. And for me, it was really important to keep working and to have some sort of normalcy in in my life. And I was lucky. I had a very supportive employer. They let me take time off for surgery. Once I was back to work, I could go home early if I needed to. If I wasn't feeling well, I had two cushy chairs in my office, so I'd push them together and take a nap. Um, oh, and yeah, and you know, having supportive coworkers is is really helpful. But not all women are that lucky, and yeah. there's I think a great deal of fear involved in having to let your employer know I've been diagnosed with breast cancer.
2: Yeah. yeah. So let's you know, talk about the rules.
1: Um, be- are there- Before we share, before we do, I just want to share a really quick thing. Um, okay. Good. Cool. Well, you know, I went through breast cancer twice with my um, with my same in you know, my same company, but I had two different bosses. And the first time I went through it. Carrie, I could relate to that, that support. You know, I had a boss who was wonderful, I had a team that was wonderful, and they couldn't wait for me to come back. When I came back, there were, there was a banner, there was a, you know, plant, there was a party, you know, welcoming me back. When well, I, when and you I, also
2: got cards the whole time oh, you went on, yeah, you know, hurry was, back, hurry back. Yeah,
1: yeah, it was wonderful. And then the second time I went out, I had a boss who kind of couldn't wait to get rid of me. And when I came back, there was a post-it note on my door that says, come see me. And when I I it's like Mm -hmm. really? And so when I got when I went in to see him, he had divided my team in half. He gave me all the ones that were at the bottom of the of the pool. I mean, it was just he just couldn't wait for me to leave. And it took me another year, but I did. So it was um, the difference of night and day on, on how you feel about even wanting to return to work. So yeah, it's, this is a really critical conversation. So thank you for indulging me, Sharon. Now no, go back no, no, to that's, question.
2: no, no, no. I, and you're right. That is an important comparison too, because I remember that during that time, you actually came back early because you felt you know, like you could, and, and you um, were so encouraged by your team and hurry back and all of yeah. that, and so, you know, you felt like you were actually being missed, and I yeah. remember when I went through it as well that I, I felt like the world was literally going on without me, and it didn't matter. You know, if I was there or not, and oh, and I remember feeling that, that breaks that. my I mean, heart. <laughs> well, and and that's the difference though between you know, like being excited to go back and feeling like eh, it doesn't matter if I go back or not. They're not missing me anyway. Yeah. So what's the point? You know, or kind dreading, of dreading or dreading
1: going back like I had a second yeah, experience. Yeah, exactly. yeah, that was pretty exactly. bad. So. All yeah. right,
2: so back to Carrie. Sorry, Carrie, for we, we did digress. <laughs> That's that. okay, I'm just here waiting for you. <laughs> That's okay. So let's talk about the actual rules around telling your boss and your coworkers, so people actually, you know, have some guidelines. Yeah.
3: Well, I know we're going to talk <clears throat> a little bit about some um, of, you know, the Family Medical Leave Act and, and that kind of thing, and, and there are some requirements there in terms of, of what you need to let your employer know, but you know, really there's no hard and fast rule that you have to tell your boss about what's, what's going on. And certainly you never have to give details. But if it's going to affect you at work or you're going to need time off, you're going to have to tell somebody. And normally that starts with telling someone um, like me in human resources because your human resources person is there to be your partner and your advocate in the process, and and they're going to need some information from you, and we'll talk in a little bit about uh, the forms that you need to fill out and and that kind of thing, but I also think before, you know, you get that diagnosis, and uh, what do I do, and you want to tell somebody, and for many of us, maybe we were headed back to work that day, right, when you just found out?
4: Oh, yes,
3: Uh uh-huh. But I think it's really important that you kind of figure out and talk to your doctor before you talk to your boss, because I think the more you know about the treatment that you're going to go through, the side effects, what your recovery is going to be like, the more you're going to be able to partner with your employer and really kind of create a plan that's going to work for you and for your employer. And if you just walk in and tell them, oh, my gosh, I've just been diagnosed with cancer and I don't know what's going to happen and I'm... you know, everybody starts to make assumptions, right? Your employer's panicking because, you know, the last employee this happened to was gone for months or never came back, and they left in the middle of this big project. And um, so if you know kind of what you're in for and um, what your schedule might be like, what your side effects might be like, when you're going to have surgery, if that's what's going on for you, you can really work with your employer in in a partnership way so that your needs are met. But your employer knows you're going to do your best to continue to do your job, if possible, or that you're going to be gone. But there's not that uncertainty.
1: Yeah, really that makes good sense. That's mm-hmm. really Carrie. Really I agree. kind of works the same way when you're telling your family. If, you're, if you've got kids, I mean, we didn't tell our kids really much at all until we had a, a basic understanding of what I was going to go through. Because why get everybody all, you know, really upset and excited over things that may not even be the case so right well yeah, and sometimes been- we
2: have ourselves dead and buried by the time you know when, <laughs> when we get that initial diagnosis because yeah. again like when I was diagnosed uh, the only people I knew who'd gone through it had been much much older and had died so again yeah. it depends on your perspective on all of that and and to Carrie's point maybe that's the perspective that your boss might have and so exactly. that's maybe what they're thinking is going to happen, and that's hopefully not the case. Um, and so in in most cases, I think for for uh, all of us, I think our tendency might be to kind of have a little bit more uh, tendency to talk too much about it, but um, I think that's great, great advice to just yep. kind of wait until you really know what's happening.
5: Yep.
2: Yeah, that's Very good. You know, just like Thank everyone's you. situation is different,
3: I think we're all different about our, our privacy, right, and how much we really want to share with others. And you're going to have to tell at least human resources some information about your illness. But one important point, I, I think, is to know that your boss and human resources should never, ever, ever share your medical information with others. Even if you've been very open with them about what's going on, they should never share that information in in the workplace. And your coworkers, whether or not you decide you want to tell them, is really kind of a personal decision as well, right? And mm-hmm. share what's comfortable for you. But I think the main point is remember that you can't control what they might decide to share right. with others. Right.
1: Right. Well, That's... Carrie, let me ask you a question on that. So if you, if you do tell HR because you're going to need time off or whatever the reasons that you need to tell HR, are they allowed or, or impe- uh, compelled to tell your boss? Or are they supposed to protect your privacy even with your direct supervisor? What, what's the rule on that?
3: Yeah, well, the rule is that they can't share your personal health information. So okay. if you're going to be gone on a protected leave because your employer is one who has to comply with one of the federal leave laws, then your boss is going to need to know that you're going to be out and those absences are excused. But if I an employee come to me and say, I don't want anyone to know the reason I'm out, I don't even want them to know I have cancer, that's my okay. business, I'm a very private person, then no, HR shouldn't tell your manager why, they should just okay. say that you are out on protected leave.
2: Okay, right. okay. Right. that's that's okay. good to know, because you're right, we have so many different ways of handling different circumstances, you know, I'm kind of like, blah, just tell everybody. And then there's a lot of people who, who yeah, do not want anybody to know, I, I mean, literally they will get a wig that is exactly like their hair, so if they are going into work that really nobody you know, unless you're really close to that person and and feel obligated to ask, you know, if you don't want to say anything, you don't have to, which is a good reminder for all of us.
3: Exactly. And I think if you if you do share, I was kinda of like you sharing, ah, i don't tell anybody everything. <laughs> but you know, an, yeah. an email to the entire group about the results of your latest surgery or scans is probably a too much information, right?
1: Yeah. Now I do um, want to comment on that though, Carrie, just real quick because <laughs> Um, With the patient's permission, so for example, when I went out on cancer, um, I was gone for six months the first time around, and Sharon had my permission to share with all of my colleagues, and so she would she set up a group distribution, and she had my permission because, you know, I really did not want to go through this alone, and the fewer people you tell, the more likely you are to go through it alone. So okay. she had my permission to distribute information. You know Becky had chemo again today. she's doing okay. she would love to hear from you. Here's her address. And that was part of the reason I got so many cards in the mail right and and people were saying, oh we really miss you. we'd love you to come back. so so with the patient's permission, as long as you know That's you a have different it, situation, <laughs> right it, exactly. yeah, it, it's okay then to share that information. wouldn't you agree or is is there even still some risk then? Um, no, I, I do. I, I, and I think it's
3: important that it, when you're the one going through this, that you're clear with HR and your boss or your coworkers about how open you wish to be. And if you're, if you're a private person, but you have some coworkers you want to confide in, I think it's important to be really clear, I'm sharing this only with you here in the workplace, And I'd really not like you to share it with anyone. It doesn't mean they won't. (laughs) (laughs) Right. You know, in your own workplace, you know who you can tell things to and trust. And who Exactly. But I I think being, being clear about that. And, you know, we have situations here all, all the time where I have employees who are out on, on leave and everybody wants to send a card and, so we try to find out what, what do you want and, and work with our employees to say, do you want us to give out your address, do you want cards, do you want calls, and, and yeah. try and provide what they need. Because you're right, work can be a great support uh, for you, and yeah. it's important to, yeah. to be clear about
2: what, and- what you need communication-wise especially if that is your you know like in my case I was a working mom and you know that was my social outlet was people from work and so you know obviously there's some people you're much closer with than others but at the same time um you know having the ability um uh, to be able to share that is important too again to to whatever degree you're comfortable with and i think that's the that's the point right yeah
1: it is, and, and Carrie, just just a real quick idea that I wanted to also share with you, another reason I got so many cards in the mail, and again, it was with my permission, but one of my coworkers, her name is Heather, she went actually out to the store, she bought a whole bunch of, of funny cards, and I didn't realize that they had a card signing party, but she brought all the cards to the table one day and had my crew sign every card right there, and then and she bought stamps, and she put stamps on and addressed them all, and then about every other day, she would drop one in the mail. Now oh, I didn't know they awesome. signed them all at once. <laughs> I'm just getting a card every other day in the mail saying we miss you, but they were all funny cards, and nobody right. was pressuring me. They were just making me feel missed and like like they hadn't forgotten you. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. So you know what? With that, we're going to go out to a quick break. Um, when we come back, we are going to kind of talk a little bit about what it you know the decision to work through treatment and that kind of thing. So stay with us. We'll be back in a couple minutes.
0: A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org
5: and contribute today. When a woman is diagnosed with cancer, she faces unique challenges. No one understands this better than the experts at Compass Oncology. Our women's cancer program includes a team of specialists in breast and gynecologic cancers, genetic testing, and the ongoing care of women with high risk factors. From targeted therapies and clinical trials to needed emotional support, Compass is a leader in treating women's cancer. Find out more at compassoncology.com.
3: Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness.
0: You are tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1 866 472 5792. Again, that's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show
2: welcome back to our program we've been talking about hr and employment issues with our guest carrie chaffee so carrie before we went on break we kind of mentioned the decision to work through treatment and you know kind of what people's options are and i'm sure that probably varies just as much as everybody's cancer diagnosis (laughs) (laughs) but why don't we at least have that conversation You bet. You know, I think it's everybody's individual
3: decision. And I know for me, it was important for me to keep working. And I was lucky in in that I was physically able to do that. And helping me make that decision was talking to lots of other women about what did you do and what was helpful, Just just like we do that when... We're trying to decide about treatment, right? What's right. that like? And, oh, that resonates with me. I, I think it would be important to go back to work. So I think talking to others about um, did they go back to work and what worked and, and what didn't is helpful. Um, but I, I think before um, you, you start treatment, you need to talk to your doctor about the kind of work that you do. How physical is it? What are your tasks, your responsibilities? How much time do you spend at work? And really get to know from your doctor about side effects, how those can be managed. Can I physically do my job? And mm-hmm. you need to know that before you, you go into treatment. And in your employer, when I put my HR hat on, I want from your doctor information about whether or not you can, can do your job. And that's what right. I'm going to go off of. As your employer, So if the doctor says she's going to need three weeks off for surgery and after that she's going to have chemo treatments and she'll probably need to miss two or three days every other week.
4: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: That's yeah. what I need to know to make sure that I'm giving you all the time that you need off from mm-hmm. work. So it's important that you talk to your doctor before you make that decision about mm-hmm. whether or not you're going to work sense. during treatment. So
2: what happens? What happens if you end up with, you know, some severe side effects that maybe we didn't anticipate, then how do you handle that kind of situation? You know,
3: then I, I think the you know, important thing, I think the important thing with all of this is to stay in communication with your employer about what's going on for, for you. And if you're finding that you're just not able to handle the side effects like you had hoped you would, then you need to talk to your doctor and get a note from your doctor that says, nope, you need, maybe you need to be off work um, at all. And I know we're, we're going to talk about that next. Um, or maybe you need a, a little bit more time off, um, and then and before you come back to work. So just keeping that communication open, working with your doctor, and having your doctor document for your employer that this is this is what you need. And it's just really hard for me sometimes as an HR manager. I know what someone's going through. Um, right. <laughs> hate, you know, I know what you're going through. I know you're sick. I know you're tired. I have to ask you for a note from your doctor. Right. Right? It's Mm -hmm. not that I don't believe you, but I have to be consistent in in my policies. So one thing I would say is, you know, if your HR department is always on you for a doctor's note and it's like, can't you see I'm sick? Um, It's because we have to be consistent in our policies and, and get notes to show that if we ask one person, we need to ask them all for that.
1: that makes sense sense. sure so Carrie just on another kind of side or perspective on this too you know there is what the doctor says you're going to need based on you know your treatment plan and all of that but again given the kind of work that you do there are some other things that that people I think need to kind of take into account for example Sharon and I when we went through our treatment we were both in sales and it's commission sales and when you're Out seeing a client, you are expected to be kind of at your very best, and if you're getting ready to vomit, um, you know that it's hard to be at your very best, or you're fatigued because you're not sleeping well, and those kinds of things. It's really hard to be at your best and represent, you know, your company and do all the things you need to do to make that sale. So that's Mm -hmm. one thing, and the other thing too is if your immune system is down because of all the chemo being out in the public and being around people who are sick isn't probably also in your best interest. So some things to take into account when you're having that conversation with your doctor is, you know, the requirements of your job and how how you have to be kind of on top of things. So, and I can tell you this, I didn't feel on top of it, so I took my short-term disability and I hightailed it. So,
2: yeah. Happily, yeah. <laughs>
1: you
2: know. Well, and also nowadays, um things have changed a lot too, and so there's a lot of people that have the flexibility to work from home. And so you can still work, but if you need a nap in the afternoon, you can go do that, right? But but you can still come back in your in your slippers and and you know, continue working um, Um, uh, most or all of the hours that you need to put in to actually continue to get a paycheck. And again, with so many people who are used to having two incomes um, or maybe they're a single parent or whatever the situation, sometimes um, you you know, have to work. You you don't have a choice. And so, again, having that conversation with your with your HR department, with your boss, keeping those people informed. Maybe you haven't worked from home in the past, but maybe this is a, an option you can bring up that might work. Absolutely. You know, and you've
3: got to take care of yourself first in this situation, right? Because you can't be your best at work. And, and Becky, you're right. Sometimes you have to say, it's not in my best interest to keep doing this because I'm not going to heal the way that I need to. And sometimes you you might need to to work through it. And, you know, you can do things like work with your doctor to plan your chemo treatments either late in the day or right before the weekend so that you've got that time to recover. Um, Getting help at home. It's so hard sometimes for us as women to ask for help um, but we're all there offering that help, right? And mm-hmm. when friends or even coworkers reach out with that gift of how can I help you, don't turn that gift down. Ex- accept it and allow people to help you with chores or family responsibilities so that um, if, it, if you need to be at work, you, c- you can be.
2: Yeah, exactly. So <clears throat> let's go back to kind of what we were talking about on the first half a little bit. Um, and and if you feel like you've been discriminated against, um, what do you what do you do with that information?
3: Yeah, that's a toughie, isn't it? Um, you know, yeah. in the workplace, when you're ill, you have the same rights as anyone else and should be given those equal opportunities, regardless of whether or not you have cancer. So some of the things um, that might be discriminatory, you know, maybe your passover over for promotion. Becky talked about, when you talked about um, in the opening, Becky, about you came back and your team had been split up, you were assigned the lowest performers of the group. Uh, that's discrimination.
2: Yeah, <laughs> definitely it
1: is and yeah. a lot of people said yeah. I should see the company but you know I didn't need that negative energy either so I just started looking for my exit <laughs> you know, I thought yeah. I, this isn't yeah. my that's best yeah and so interest.
3: sad because employers yeah. lose great people
1: that way
3: um, yeah. so you know other things, discrimination um, you know if, if your employer is covered by family medical leave um, you can't be denied leave, they can't tell you you can't take leave uh, you can't be disciplined for your excessive absences. Um, they have to continue your health insurance. Um, you know, your performance review should never say things like, well, ever since Becky had cancer and got back from leave, blah, 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 blah. Yeah.
4: Right, right, yeah. right. Uh, that
3: kind of thing. You should be reinstated to your former position or one that's equivalent. If something has happened to that position, it was eliminated or something. Um, mm-hmm. So if, if someone's experienced any of, of those types of things and feel they've been discriminated against, first of all, I would say as it's happening, keep notes of conversation, dates and places, information that you might receive from your employer. So many times in employment situations like this, it's a he said, she said kind of thing, right? Right. And so having notes of those conversations, what took place, were there any witnesses? a copy of your performance evaluation, Um, ask for a copy of your personnel file, Um, talk to HR. I I would love to think that every HR department is like mine and that we're we're here to help our employees and we care about employees. I know that's not always realistic, but I, I hope that for our listeners, your HR department is someone you can go to and express your concerns to. Yeah, Um, that's true. In a union environment, of course, you'd want to talk with with your union rep. Um, Every state has some type of employment regulatory body here in Oregon. It's called BOLI, Bureau of Labor and Industries. You can contact someone at that agency, or you can actually file a complaint with the EEOC within, I think it's 180 days of the time that you think that discrimination has occurred. So there is a time frame. Becky, you can't go back.
4: <laughs> Thank god, That's 180 days. Yeah, you don't want to do that. <laughs> do. Yeah.
1: yeah.
3: But it is important to, that, that, you, that you know there's there is a, a time frame in which you would have to file a a formal complaint.
2: Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Because like like Becky said, you know, sometimes it's just you know, yes you were discriminated against I remember I getting a an evaluation not too long after I got back to work and I was off for 11 months and part of the evaluation had to do with like well you didn't make any sales during this period well I wasn't working during that period (laughs) you know you know but because it's a rolling report you know, um, I, it felt like I was being penalized for that, you know, so stuff like that, you know, sometimes you just kind of go, ugh. you know, it's the negative energy and the, you know, all of the stuff that that's involved you know sometimes it's, it doesn't feel like it's worth it but at the same time if that's the culture of the business that you're in and it's plain old not fair um, yeah then then you probably do want to take up that stake when you feel a little better and it's good that you at least have 180 days to make that that complaint so mm-hmm. you know maybe at first you won't um, feel like doing it but maybe after a few months you might so uh, and then there's the, the bosses
1: thought. who do everything by the book as far as all the legal stuff. They make sure they've crossed their eyes. No, they dotted their <laughs> eyes and they crossed. <laughs> the I always get those mixed up. I know. Um, but but they what they do is more subtle. They're bullies. They treat you kind of disrespectfully, but nothing you can really say he or she did this. But it's all in the tone and the attitude, and that's kind of what happened with my second boss. You know, when I came back, there was just this this underlying current of he was disgusted that I had cancer again and had to go out again. And so what do you do in that situation where all the rules are being followed, but there's just this, this bully mentality? Is there something yeah. that can be done about that
2: or not? I mean... Well you know, I know let me buddy in on this one because to me, that's kind of a a boundary thing. and you know if if it's it's hard to have those conversations, but to me, you'd almost want to challenge some of that mentality. But again, i I wasn't strong enough back then <laughs> to even have done that. but you know that that would be my answer to that question. What do you think, Carrie?
3: Yeah, you know that it's so hard because it's just really not most people's nature to address those kinds of things in in the workplace and unfortunately what happens is employers lose good people who just say I'm just not going to put up with this. But yeah, exactly. you know, in, in a perfect world, an employee would say, you know, hey boss, can I can I have a conversation with you and, and give you some feedback, and hey, when when you approached me today about my work on on this project, I just really sensed that you're angry with me because I was gone, and um, you know your tone of voice and what you said about X Y Z just really made me feel like you're you're upset I was gone and. I had cancer. Um, yeah. and, it's not you know, like I chose to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, you know, gee, I'm sorry I'll let you down, but uh, this has rocked my world here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've had more important uh, things yeah. to do, like stay alive.
2: Yeah, uh, exactly. But, yeah, and that's, you know, that's, a, that's a hard conversation, but I think um, I, I remember talking to one gal who I was um, helping a few years ago and she when she went back to work after being gone about three months, she um she got this tone, this kind of attitude like, oh, you know, we've been covering for you for the last three or four months and oh, you know, I had to do so much work and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you know, again, that's kind of that victim mentality. And it's like, I didn't choose to have cancer. You know, I would have Traded places with you at any moment to be able to work and have you go through it. You know, I mean, it's not like you do this on purpose. So, um, and again, there's people who who take advantage of their circumstances, and I get that. But again, I think uh, it is a boundary issue, and you kind of need to just address it and um, be as upfront as you can. Not be mean, but just say, "Hmm, you know, I'm sensing a little animosity here. What's going on? <laughs> you know, I, I didn't. You know, I yes, I." It was gone, but this was not a vacation. You know, this was this was out of my medical necessity. Yeah, you know, in a union
1: company, Carrie, just real quick, in a union um, environment, should if an employer employee was going to have that conversation with their boss, should they bring in a member of the union with them to observe, or is it better just to have that off the cuff kind of, hey, you know, this was really hurtful kind of conversation privately? What do you think is best?
3: Oh, gosh. You know, that, that's a really good question, Becky. And my expertise really isn't in the, the union world. But okay. I think that, I, I think in a union environment, it's almost always best to have your rep with you. If you're just going to have a quick, hey, boss, you know, that, that comment you just made kind of stung here. And um, just kind of a quick, hey, I'm going to call you on this. But you've done that three times and it hasn't changed and now you really want to have a more formal conversation, certainly okay. That's I, I good think advice. you want to have yeah. your, your rep there. And, and I okay. just want to make a, a quick point on employees who filled in for you making comments. Um, I work with my managers on that all the time because it is a hardship when someone's gone, and sometimes you might have a couple people gone, but it is never okay for employees to make you feel bad because you were out on leave, and I work with my managers. If you hear that happening in the workplace, you need to put a stop to it right away because it's it's yeah. not okay. Yeah.
2: yeah, it is. It isn't an okay, and it it can kind of um, escalate too if you don't put a a stop on it too. Yeah. So who would I mean, the
1: employee that. say something to if if they were starting to feel that way, uh, you know, with their coworkers? Who do you say something? I mean, you can say something obviously to the coworker, like, "Wow, ouch!" You know, that really stung. But if it continues, yeah. what, what does the employee do?
3: If it, if it continues, I would, I would move up the chain and, and go to your joint supervisor and say, hey, this is what's going on. I've asked him to stop. It's really making me uncomfortable. I'm trying my best. I am back. Yeah. And they just keep throwing this in my face, and it's okay. not okay. Um, okay. And if that doesn't stop it, go to human resources. Okay.
1: Well, we're going to go out on another break. Believe it or not, we are two-thirds of the way through our show. So um, stay with us. This is such great information. We'll be back in a couple minutes.
3: Step into a healthier you. Voice America Health & Wellness.
0: Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at Breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio.
5: Visit BreastFriends.org and contribute today. When a woman is diagnosed with cancer, she faces unique challenges. No one understands this better than the experts at Compass Oncology. Our women's cancer program includes a team of specialists in breast and gynecologic cancers, genetic testing, and the ongoing care of women with high risk factors. From targeted therapies and clinical trials to needed emotional support, Compass is a leader in treating women's cancer. Find out more at CompassOncology.com.
4: When was the last time you felt free?
3: Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness.
0: You are tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show.
2: Welcome back. Um, we've been talking about HR and employment issues with our guest, Carrie Chaffee. And um, I really want to chat a little bit about the federal laws and the federal leave laws and how that works. Carrie, can you touch on those? Sure.
3: So the federal leave law, we affectionately refer to as FEMLA. It's the Family Medical Leave Act, and it gives employees who are eligible the right to take time off for certain caretaking responsibilities or health problems. So this is something that would apply to women who are going through breast cancer themselves or perhaps women who might have caretaking responsibilities. Um, It would uh, apply to a spouse who's taking care of his wife who's going through uh, breast cancer. Um, so, But only certain employers are covered by family medical leave. And so you have to work for someone who has 50 or more employees, and then you have to have worked for that company for a year and worked at least 1,250 hours. And then what the okay. law entitles you to, it's not paid leave, but it's up to 12 weeks of leave in a 12-month period. And the way that employers track that 12-month, there's like three different ways you can do it, and some of them are more complicated than others. But um, that's something important to know when you're talking with your HR department about your need for leave, is to understand how do they track uh, the, the time that you take in, the, in that 12-month pay period.
1: Mm-hmm. And now, is pay- it true that you, that you still have to use your like paid... Um- vacation time and and those kinds of things first, use that up first before it rolls into unpaid time? It seems like it used to be like that.
3: Typically, but that depends on your employer's policy. The law doesn't address that, but your employer's PTO or vacation policy most often will say before you take any unpaid time off, you must use paid time that's available to you.
1: Okay.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay. And so, didn't you have some questions about the uh, EAP, what, what does that stand for? Employee Assistance Program? Ah, uh, yes, that's what it is.
1: Yeah. yeah. So, Carrie, what, what about that? I mean, it, for employers that have EAP, would, would counseling and guidance in this area be covered under that program or not?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Your EAP um, can be a great resource for finding um, a, um, you know, hopefully a a program like Breast Friends they might be able to tell you about or provide um, a counselor. A lot of EAP services have uh, financial counseling, legal counseling, um, help you with, with... any of those kinds of things that are, are coming up in your life while, while you're going uh, through this. Um, so, and most employers do offer an employee assistance program, and you know, there's a set number of uh, appointments you can have with a counselor through them, and it's available usually for your family members as well.
1: Yeah, Great. that's good. Well, Carrie, before we run out of time, because we are in the last segment, I really want to go over kind of in as much detail as we can. Um, you know, when, a, when an employee comes back to work, and we know that sometimes they have to come back part-time or, you know, because when you've gone through cancer, through treatment, you know, your energy is not the same as it used to be, what are considered reasonable accommodations to ask for from your employer, and what is their obligation in providing those accommodations from a legal perspective? Can you speak to that, please?
3: Great question. Great question. So reasonable accommodations can be all kinds of things, and it really depends, again, on what what you need. What are the side effects that you're experiencing? What are the duties of, of your job? So it might be I just need more frequent breaks. It might be I know I've already taken 12 weeks of leave, but I need two more because um, I've got to have this one little procedure or whatever it might be, I need just a little bit more time off, or when I come back, I need to adjust my hours. Maybe there's a particular duty that I'm just not ready to lift that amount of weight yet, and for six months my doctor says, I need to have somebody else do that for me. Um, Employers aren't required to totally change your, your job forever, Um, You need to be able to come back to work and do your job with those reasonable accommodations. Um, And you need to be able to perform your job and and meet your employer's uh, performance standards. Um, So some examples, um, you know, um, maybe you're in a machine shop where there is radiation nearby and your workstation is kind of close to that area. Moving you to an area of the plant where there's no radiation exposure would be a reasonable accommodation, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. And reasonable accommodation means something that your employer can reasonably do, and that if there's a cost involved, that it's a reasonable cost. And. Mm-hmm. I I have never had somebody ask for me, knock on wood, (laughs) for something that we didn't feel was reasonable or or that we could um, accommodate. I have an employee right now who uh, may need to have hand controls put in his vehicle and his Mm -hmm. job requires him to drive. And so we're looking at what's the cost of that going to be and is that something we can just pay for for him or split the cost with him? Um, But, you know, as
1: long as this is not hundreds of thousands of dollars, that's a reasonable thing to do. So mm-hmm. what if it is hundreds of thousands of dollars what happens to this employee at that point if they if the company doesn't want to invest that money then what happens if, if, if it's it's
3: truly unreasonable for the the company to do that then we have to say that that that, that person just is not able to perform their duties and there's not a reasonable accommodation and in, in most cases, we would probably look at needing to let that employee go, and say, mm. you know, please come call us back when you, when you're ready. Um, you know, hopefully most employers would say, I'd love to have you back, but um, we we can't do it um, in in this instance. And those are okay. those
1: are tough, tough, tough calls. I'll bet. To make. I'll bet. But, yeah, so they're not. The tough. employer is not required to try to put you into a different job completely. Or we, you could is, you could do that, that if you had choice. if you had a different job. Um, so if it were me, I would exhaust
3: all options before doing that. Um, but but if if there's just no way that we can do that um, for you, you, employers get in that in that tough spot.
1: Yeah, you know we've had that happen with some of our patients that we've worked with, and you know they've been on on disability or you know been on family leave or whatever. And then when they go back, their employer says to them, well, we don't have a job for you anymore. And then we hear about that. And it's hard to know what to tell them to do because, you know, we're not legal people. We're not attorneys. We're not HR specialists. But Mm -hmm. um, we hear that more often than we like. Um, You know, and and it's not even necessarily from what the patient is telling us that it's because of something like the hand controls, it's unreasonable. It's just when they got back, their job either no longer existed or was filled by somebody who they felt was doing a better job or something. And so they're being either let go or moved into some very low position with much less pay. And how do we guide them when that happens? And what do we what do we tell them? Is that legal? Uh, what's, ha- yeah, well, what's happening there? Well, it, it, it depends on how long
3: they were out. So okay. if, and whether or not they're working for an employer that has to um, comply with the family medical leave, right? And many okay. states, Oregon is one of them, um, they have their own leave laws as well that apply. Some of them are very similar to the federal law, but, but there are some unique differences. So if they're working for an employer who has the 50 or more employees, they've been there for a year, they've worked the 1,250 hours, and they were gone um, less than those 12 weeks or right at those 12 weeks and have come back at that point in time, when their leave ran out, um, their position should be there for them. And if not, I would encourage them to contact an attorney. Um, if they've been out for six months, um, they've u- they used up their protected leave time, and the employer doesn't have an obligation to continue to hold their job. So it's probably a matter of making sure that is there were they covered by their employer for leave, and how much leave time did they take.
1: Okay, and so if it's a small employer under fifty, then these rules don't apply.
2: Right, at all. right. The, the federal yeah.
1: rules don't apply.
2: Correct. Okay. Correct. So, do they have any recourse in a smaller employer situation? I mean, like I understand from a sm- especially a smaller employer uh, situation, they they have the work to they have to get the work done. You know, so they have to put somebody in that job perhaps to get that work done Um, and so I can see both ends of the spectrum but at the same time is there any recourse that that a person would have in that situation? You don't think it dep- It's going to depend on their
3: state law, and I'm racking my brain okay. to remember what Oregon's um, law is, but uh, it may be 25 employees, so it makes it a little bit smaller. But if you're working okay. for someone who only has 10 employees, um, they're not going to be or may not be covered by, by even a state law. So
5: okay. uh, there's right. really no
3: real legal
2: recourse yep okay all right you know I'm, I'm proud of
1: us sharon we're a much much smaller organization than that and we had one of our employees left for a year to go take care of somebody back east and
4: mm-hmm.
1: we couldn't wait for her to come back
2: so. right 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 i mean obviously people had to kind of take on her responsibilities yeah. but that job was definitely there for her yeah. when she got back so yeah awesome. i'm very proud of that <laughs> yep. i think that definitely. was that was good so well, Carrie, this has been such really
1: great information today. Um, we only have about three minutes left until we close. But do you have any? Is there anything we didn't cover that you feel is really pertinent to the to the discussion? I just can't believe how fast some of these shows go. So, is there anything we left out, or you know, anything well, you can share? Well, just real briefly,
3: you know, we talked about the the federal leave and the and the fact that that's unpaid leave. But just want to mention briefly to. You know, work with your your HR department to find out what policies does your employer have that might provide income for you. Your sick leave and PTO, you know, some companies have a donation policy where other employees who get tons and tons of time off and don't use it all could donate time to someone. I've heard people. of that. Yeah. I, yeah that's wonderful.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah
3: and that's that's actually becoming more more and more common. Um your employer yeah. might have a short-term disability policy. Normally those have some type of waiting period, but once you've met that waiting period, if you're not able to work or you're only able to work part-time even sometimes, that policy can pay you a percentage of your normal pay. If you're really lucky, your employer has a long-term disability plan, and sometimes those kick in at, you know, 90 after 90 days, and they can last for years, depending on the definition of, of the disability and the policy. So, you know, you have oh, to meet all great. the insurance companies' definitions of disability and that kind of thing, but um, there are ways to, to meet that, that financial need that you have through your employer's plan.
1: So, one last quick question. If you are the employer and you have a, an employee that you believe is... is um, taking advantage, you know, misusing the all of these programs. Is there any recourse for them? <laughs> yeah,
3: you know, that's a tough one, too. And and that goes back to kind of what I was talking about earlier about why we always ask for doctor's notes. Because in, yeah. in that situation, that, that's rare, but it can happen. And in that yeah. situation, I would encourage an employer to go back to, what did the doctor say? And yeah. if the employee is missing more time and you really need legal advice as you're doing this because there are rules about whether or not employers can contact doctors and who at the employer can contact the doctor and what you can talk to the doctor about. Right. So okay. Well, Carrie,
1: we are out of time, kiddo. <laughs> That's it. I'm All right. Getting, I'm getting, getting the message here from our engineer, but um, so we do need to go. We do want to thank everyone who's listened to this show. If you think that, you know someone who might benefit from hearing this, please tell them about our program. This show will be uploaded to our archives in about an hour, and then it'll live there permanently, so they can always go online and listen to it. So, Carrie, thank you again for being a guest on our show. For the rest of you listening, um, we always have topics of interest. If you have an idea, please send it to us, and just know that we, we will be back next week, and until then, remember, there's always hope, and we're here to help you find it.